Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento, and I'm joined by a guest today who I so respect and admire all of the work that he does, but not just for the work purposes, but for how much he considers the impact that his work has on the world, on technology, and on the way that all of us do business, not only today, but in the future. So today's guest, his name is Ryan Strong. He is a product visionary. He is a techie. He's an entrepreneur. He's a lifelong learner with a deep passion to help others realize and accomplish their goals. And what I think is really cool about Ryan's story is he actually started an AI company last year. And as they were building out their product, they came to the realization of, holy cow, do people realize the realities behind artificial intelligence, how it's going to play into the market, how it's going to play into the way we make decisions around a lot of extensive data sets. A lot of those data sets, we know where they come from. A lot of data sets, we have no idea where they come from. So he has really pivoted so much of his work into helping others ethically and correctly use AI in ways that actually enhance the world rather than all of the detractions that can come from the ugly side of using AI. So I think it's really important for us to have this conversation here at the beginning of 2024. So I'm not going to say anything else. Let's dive straight into my interview with Ryan Strong. All right, Ryan, I am so excited that you're here with us today. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. I'm so excited to be here as well. Thank you for having me. This is this is great. Really look forward to this. Heck yes. Honestly, this conversation, I think we all need to hear it. We all need to have it. And I'm excited that it's you that is here with us to shed so much light on this today. I tease listeners a little bit about your journey up to this point, but take us way beyond the bio. How the heck did you start focusing on all these amazing things in a world where tech's changing really fast? Yeah, um, no, man, and changing really fast is probably an understatement. I think it changes. It's almost like every day, you know, I live in the world and it's hard to keep up for me. And this is what I do all day, every day. Um, but no, I've, uh, I've been in sort of an AI space for the last uh, seven, almost eight years now. Um, I worked at 7-Eleven. I helped them build the first cashierless store. So you guys, everybody knows like an Amazon Go. Um, we built that similar to kind of technology using AI and computer vision to kind of, you know, help people automate their shopping experience. Went from there, worked with another startup where I was the head of product and, uh, we used a lot of AI and computer vision and I had the bug and I was like, I got to go start my own thing. So, um, 20 towards the end of 2022 started up my own business, um, product pal, which is going after, you know, we what we were chasing was using generative AI to automate some of the things that product managers were doing. So in essence, I was trying to put myself out of a job, which was kind of a weird thing, right? Um, but as you kind of alluded to, we were going down this rabbit hole, we were making really great progress. And we actually kind of scared ourselves with the AI and some of the capabilities we're using. We did not build our own. So I want to say that to begin with, we didn't build our own generative AI. We were using other people's like open AIs, Google's, um, Facebook, we were using others and their tech is so powerful and it's really great. There's going to be so many great things. I'm going to say this at the onset and then I'll stop and we can kind of get into the conversation, but I'm not, um, a per, uh, I, I'm very much a proponent of AI. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to help society, but we need to be very careful with how we do it and how we implement it. And so 
during that journey, um, we get in pivot in or move forward into this year into 2023. And I, we decided as a group and largely with, you know, at me at the forefront decided we weren't going to pursue product power. And we really wanted to pursue the AI ethics side of this and helping people build ethical AI um, because of what we saw use building our own product. Um, and so we made that pivot um, three, four months ago still kind of in the early days of that, but it's, um, it's been really nice to help out a few clients, uh, you know, and really get them thinking about the different ways that AI can be used, but also doing it in a way that protects themselves and their clients that they, you know, might be hosting data for. So yeah, really exciting. That's a really important overview, Ryan, especially because you and I were talking a little bit off air before we hit record today, where people still don't know what AI is going to be used for. And I think in your yeah. overview, you kind of just tease us. Obviously, there is the good, but the fact that you feel strongly enough that you're starting a business and you're advising others on how to ethically use AI speaks to the, gosh, the mountains of troubles that AI could potentially bring to society, to business. All the stuff that we talk about today goes way outside just the world of entrepreneurship. It's genuinely going to impact every facet of life. I love the fact that you're personal experience. And it starts with 7-Eleven, retail locations, things we've all experienced. I'm starting to see more and more airports are having those smart checkout yeah. things where you just stroll right out and the cameras have seen everything we've picked up. They know when we put things back. It's actually incredible technology. Talk to us about where we are in this life cycle of AI, because I still see mm. all the silly applications. People are creating, you know, overdubbed versions of Tupac songs that don't exist, and they're using AI for that. There's so many different variations. Obviously, we see generative art. A lot of people are using it yeah. to create graphics. But Ryan, where are we in the world of AI as far as the practical and consumer use? And of course, mm. I think you have a lot of insights that none of us do behind the scenes in business big business and big data. How far along are we? We are, I barely starting the race. <laughs> we are so early in the, I mean, it's a great question. It is absolutely the appropriate question. We're, we're, we're just getting started. I mean, we're um, tip of the iceberg. I don't even think does it justice. Like we've barely got anywhere on this. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, like the speaking of the, you know, the big data, you know, our big companies versus like consumers and those kind of things. What's really different about this set of technology versus a lot of different technology over time. And, you know, and I guess I should say that, you know, I have two degrees in history. So I love the historical looking back and, and seeing how trends are, how that potentially impacts where we're going in the future. Um, but what's different about AI, um, one is the speed of development, right? And, and, Every day, there's new things. Every hour, almost, there's new stuff that's coming out. But also, it's a new technology where it's been rare that you have this technology that's kind of open to the world right in the infancy of it. And so, we're getting to see thousands of use cases being put into practice all the time. You know, you mentioned AI art. Um, I have a little um, side e-commerce um, business. I actually have two different businesses, this product probably the main one, but then I have a side e-commerce business that I actually started to just kind of like experiment, but it does generative AI. So, you can, I've basically automated the entire process as a solo entrepreneur, have been able to, I can create new designs, post them on my shop, post them on the social media and um, 
automate the entire fulfillment process all using generative AI um, and different, not just generative AI, but other AI components as well. So it's one person that makes me, my team feel like 10 plus being able to run an entire store. Now we're small, you know, we're not trying to grow that. It's more, like I said, an experiment, but it just is an experiment to show like what is possible out there. Right. Um, so yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah, for sure. I think you actually honed in. That's why I almost felt silly asking you that last question, but you really honed in on why I felt the importance to ask it. And that is, I want to call it out for listeners, the truly unique thing about AI is that we are all in the playground just as the rest of the world is. I think about, obviously, Apple is in the midst of their Apple Vision Pro launch, and that's Mm -hmm. a whole new, they call it spatial computing. None of us have been exposed to it. Apple has been working on it behind the scenes, I'm sure a lot of other big tech companies have been, but we've not been involved in that until, boom, here's a finished product from Apple. So we could start to see it. We can think about augmented reality, virtual reality, all of those fit into that. But AI, we're all just really in the playground, which obviously brings up that world of ethics, Ryan. Where does Mm -hmm. ethics play into that? What are some of the things that you, especially someone who's developed an AI platform and business, what are those things that immediately jumped out at you saying, oh my gosh, we need to focus on the correct and ethical usage of this technology? Well, what's... um what I'll say is the, all of the companies, OpenAI, um, Google, Facebook, all of these guys that are, are building AI, they are trying to do it in the right way. So they are putting, um, you know, uh, filters and different things in place so they'll be able to, you know, people can not get to certain harmful data. But because the AI is so intelligent, and this is kind of where we got to, is there are so many backdoors that it is impossible, and the technology is so new that there, it's impossible to have closed all of those. Um, and, and I've seen, I, I've ran some experiments and seen some experiments where people have been able to get in there and and get instructions for, you know, different types of nefarious things that I'm not going to get into and mention because I don't want anybody going and doing those things. But there are many ways to get information out of it um, that you don't want people to have in their, in their hands, right? That's information that should not be out there. And because what it does is it's predicting the next word always, right? So it's like having a conversation with a toddler and the toddler knows that there's certain things they're not supposed to talk about. But if you can figure out how to talk about those in a way that, you know, in, invokes their parents or invokes family members and they start feeling more comfortable, more safe. And you can get the AI into this place where it was like, oh, this person is safe. I can give it more information that I'm not really supposed to. Um, so, yeah, again, I'm not going to give out a, a specific exper- um, experiments that we did just because I don't want anybody else to go replicate those. Um, and those are things that we're trying to actively shut down all the time. But um, there are you can get very nefarious information out of the, all of these engines um, if you know the right ways into those back doors. Yeah, I really love that overview. As someone who I love Reddit and I have seen there are s- entire subreddits dedicated. Obviously, a lot of people. It makes me think of childhood. I, Ryan, I don't know mm-hmm. how similar we are are in generation. I assume we're very similar in generation, but I remember when yeah. we were young, a lot of people were into like jailbreaking phones and getting phones yeah. to do things that they weren't yeah. supposed to. And we really were on the precipice of that with regards to AI now as well, where people are just creative. And And you talk about it's hard to safeguard it. It's because we don't even know. We can't even imagine the various different things that people are going to be trying. We also can't imagine the millions, probably trillions of ways that AI is going to reply or respond to all of that. So yeah. important 
considerations there. I think it's especially fascinating that that was born out of you starting Product Pal, which was the world's really the the roadmap there was to become the world's first AI product manager. And you brought it up right away on the air. And and also we talked about it off air as you said, holy cow, this is going to replace humans. It's not just going to complement it, but it's so good that it can genuinely replace humans talk to us about in your perspective what is the correct application of ai is it supplemental is it complementary is it is it partial replacing so that we can focus on other things what's the right path forward man that is the question brian like that's the best question that's the question we ask ourselves all the time um over here and and in fact everybody we talk to that's one of the questions we ask i'm you know be 100 percent honest i don't know that i have the right answer for that right now because i don't i don't know i don't think we've seen the impacts to society and what this will have and kind of a long-term impact to society going forward right i mean there's there's more utopian views, which I like to be an optimist and I would like to live in the more the utopian views, which is, you know, it might replace some jobs, most jobs it's a supplement to, but ultimately what it does is give um, humans more free time to pursue the things that they want to pursue, you know, contentment and happiness and family and all the things that we really like. Right. And, and then potentially opening up new jobs that are, you know, are more creative in nature, um, more human to human interactions. Cause I'd really see that that was kind of one of the goals for product pal, right? Is like, Hey, let's do all the mundane tasks behind the scenes that nobody sees. So product managers can spend more time with customers and with, you know, just interacting with humans and learning about how people are using their products um, and those kind of things. And, and we started going down that rabbit hole and it was really great. But then we started seeing like, oh, this is going to potentially replace everybody, you know, like outside of me having an in-person conversation, AI now can make my whole face put me, I mean, we're not quite good enough, but probably a year or two from now, this podcast, you could be doing it with an AI person and you wouldn't potentially even know it was happening on your side, right? Again, we're not there yet, but you can see how we're moving towards that pace really quickly because what's going on is, and it makes sense if you think about it, all of these AI companies, they're all trying to position to be the best, right? And, and to have the most market share. And by doing that, they're having to constantly build new features, release new things and stay in front of everybody else. But what that does is that just creates more, like I said, back doors behind the scenes. And while they're putting some work into the ethics side of it, they're just moving so fast at a breakneck pace that there's impossible to catch all of the things behind that could potentially go wrong with it. Whoa, Ryan. Yeah, I got chills as you were saying that, especially about this show. It's something that I'll be honest, and this is fun for me to transparently and publicly be having this conversation with you. It's something that within the podcasting community, again, I'm getting chills as you and I are even just talking about it. (laughs) We talk about this behind the scenes because we know that a lot of AI tools, all they need is a 20 minute voice sample to get that voice, that person, quote unquote, to say whatever you want them to say. And this is, we're going to see it in political warfare moving forward is we can have videotapes of politics politicians saying things that they never said because we have hours of their voices out there that we can model after and and plug into these AI models to have them say anything. Us as podcasters, there's hundreds of hours of my voice saying everything in every different mood and everything. So I think it's, it's really important considerations to have. 
a lot of podcasters just to kind of shed some light onto the hopefully ethical behaviors and things that we can adapt. A lot of podcasters are telling their families, hey, let's have a safe word so that if you get a phone Mm. call from me, if I don't say this word, question if that's really me because AI is getting extraordinary. Ryan, to your point, I've heard in the entertainment industry as someone who lived in LA for a long time, I love hearing how it's impacting quote unquote, the industry that everyone alludes (laughs) to out there is that you and I can dream up a movie plot that features Matt Damon. We could have AI write the entire script and then AI to create the entire video visuals, the entire movie with Matt Damon as the star actor without paying anyone along the way. Like it's a crazy world that we're living in. All of that is to say, here we are in the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. I know how I use AI. My favorite question for ChatGPT is, what am I missing? I will tell it all of my thoughts on any given topic and I will say, what am I missing? Because I want that that independent external counsel to share with me. What am I missing? Ryan, what are some of the other practical usages? Because mine is obviously very elementary. It's very complementary just to my own thought process. What are some of those practical uses of where we are today for business owners? That's uh, honestly, that's a really great practice. Uh, and I recommend everybody do that f- um, going forward. But I use it um, in every aspect of my business and without a doubt i mean every aspect right so if we want to do research we're going to tools like perplexity.ai and if you haven't been to perplexity it's one of the coolest ais out there it's like wikipedia and open ai had a baby and it's fantastic right um what's really great about what perplexity does is it's not necessarily trying to create net new things. So if you ask it to like write you a poem, it might do it, but it's not, that's not really what it's there for. It's really a research tool, but it cites its sources. So it's going through and if it gives you information, it cites sources for it. So that's really fantastic when you're doing research. So that's like, you know, one place we do it in the practicality and where a lot of people are using it right now. And I think probably the best use case right now is in the marketing side. Um, so we have AI generate content for us, both um, images and you know word content. And uh, it's not we're not quite using it for video yet, although I can see how AI is probably going to do that relatively soon. Um, and but what we use it for is I, what I always like to say, and I think one of the best applications of AI is, especially generative AI, is um, most people like if you're a writer, um, the hardest part is having the white page, right? Having the blank page and just like, where do I start? And I know I, I've been writing for a long time and that's still my biggest fear is the white page. And like, where do I start? Once I get started, you kind of get into a groove and you can just kind of go, right? What's really cool about some of these applications like ChatGPT is it can give you you know, something to start with. So it turns everybody into an editor and everybody loves being an editor, right? It's nothing better than going through and picking through and saying, oh, I wouldn't use this word. I'd use this word. I would rewrite this sentence. But that's great. That gets those creative processes going. Um, So that's another really practical. And another one is just bouncing ideas off of it, kind of like what you said is like, what am I not thinking about? I think that's a great application. I use that all the time. Um, A question back for you is like, how do you conversate with um, like, say, ChatGPT? So do you, do you think of it like a normal conversation or do you think of it like a, like a software? 
No, I very much. It's something that as much as I try to get out of this habit with ChatGPT, I'm still saying please. I'm still saying thank you. And I don't know why I'm doing that. Obviously, it has no bearing on the way that AI performs. But yeah, and for me, it's interesting to hear your perspective on it, Ryan. Does that blur the lines? Because I am treating it as a human without that recognition of, hey, this is what it is. To me, it's it's a trusted member of my team. Like I said, that's mm-hmm. that's counsel for me. That's an advisor for me. So yeah, super curious yeah. to hear your thoughts on that too. Um, I do the same thing. So whether or not that's a good thing or not, um, but I think the reason that I like doing it that way is because I think for me anyway, that helps me attach the ethics to it a lot easier because the software is just a cold you know, there's nothing on the other side. If I think of it like a human, then I'm going to try to treat it that way. And also, um, you know, the responses back to it, um, you can also take it with a little bit more grain of salt because the one thing that ChatGPT does and everybody's had to do to them, right, is what people call hallucinate. I think it's more appropriate to call it like confabulations because it's not really a hallucination per se. Um, But what it is, is it's extremely confident in every single response, right? So you might get a totally bogus response, but when you read it, you're like, well, that makes a ton of sense because it's so super confident the way it's written back to you. Yeah, I want to go a little bit more into that because I don't think people realize the perils of that, especially I'm going to pick on, I do agree with you, I think probably the most widespread usage and application of ChatGPT is marketing copy. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. will just trusted enough to straight up copy and paste those responses straight into their sales pages, straight into their email automations without realizing that it's inventing. Oh, here's all full transparency. One thing that I really love taking inspiration from chat GPT from is I'm a big sucker for analogies. I'm a visual person. So when you talk about history, for example, I'm just like, yes, history can illuminate lessons for us because we can actually see it. There are real life stories. So I'll frequently turn to chat GPT and be like, come up with an, a- an analogy for this. Give me a success story from business, from history of someone who, you know, maybe started from nothing and then made it to the top and then lost everything everything again and and was able to rebuild. And ChatGPT, a lot of times when I then go forth and Google the examples it gave me, I'm like, where did it even get that from? Talk to us about why that happens, Ryan. Because one, I think we all need to be aware that it happens. And two, I think understanding how it happens will help us get insights into how the heck AI actually works. Yeah. um, So I'm going to give the, I'm going to give a, like a not technical answer to that, um, just because I think it'll help everybody really understand. And it's how it was explained to me. And so I've kind of used it because once it was said to me, I really clicked, right? Um, Which is two things. One, it's trying to predict the next word with every word, right? So every word it's writing, it's predicting the best next fit word that goes into that. And then two, it is trying to give you the response that you want, even if that's not something you want to hear, right? It's trying to give you a response that you want. And so doing those two things, it's easy to blur the line of what is fact and what is fiction, right? Because it's trying to predict the next word and it's also trying to please you. It is a real, that's a really oversimplified way. And that's not exactly what it's doing, but it's, 
ultimately trying to please you and keep you back and using it again. Cause ultimately that's what it wants, right? It wants you to keep coming back and using it and more and more and more. So if it gives you really good responses all the time or believe very believable responses all the time, then you want to come back and use it, right? If it was giving you straight up nonsense all the time, you would, people would never use it. Right. Um, so I think those two things, you know, it's easy to see how, you know, it, it's like, it's sort of like a child sometimes in the sense that it might tell you what you want to hear sometimes, even if that's not necessarily the full truth or all of the truth, or it's, you know, swayed a few things in it in the favor of the story. Yeah, I like, I actually really like the way that you illustrated that because you're right. It's something that we can all understand. And actually, even just hearing you say those things out loud, I'm just like, that is my interactions with ChatGPT yeah. is. And I wonder what it would like to be a, be like to be a machine having millions of data points, probably trillions of data points. Of yeah. course, whatever you ask me, I will have some sort of answer. How could I not with that treasure trove of data to lean on? Yeah. Ryan, I want to ask you this next question because talking about ChatGPT makes me realize how much I think of AI as that conversational UI that we can all tap into. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I remember like a few weeks before ChatGPT launched was in my head, I was like, yeah, but what can AI do? Conversations are one thing. Information is one thing, but what can AI do? And now mm. we see some of those practical applications. Like I love AI chatbots. If they're really well-trained with a business, rather than just going to an FAQ page, I've seen it where it can actually more quickly and more effectively serve me as a consumer. I genuinely yeah. appreciate that. It's not to say everybody's doing it right. Gosh, there are some bad AI chatbots out there. But what are some <laughs> of true. those other things in your perspective that that AI can actually do, if that makes sense? Sure. Um, so I think um, documented data analysis is a big thing, right? So it's really, really good. Some, some of them. Um, there's some like by Cla you know, Claude. I don't know if you've used Claude. And that's a more of a technical, I guess. It's not really technical, but I would consider it more on the technical side. It's really good at reading databases and documents and giving you back like summarized versions of what's in there. So those are some, you know, those are some use cases that I've actually helped some clients implement and are really good, right? Because what it's not trying to do is create a new brand new story for you. It just says, no, cool. I'll just read through this and give you a summary of what's already in there to save you time. Like those are really fantastic applications. Um, I think the legal um, and along those same lines, I think the legal um, market and system is going to have a huge disruption. I think there's going, it's going to be really interesting because I think there'll be a lot of pushback on it, but I think there's, you know, if you look at the like kind of will and sentiment of society is, you know, lawyers aren't always seen in the best light. And if you can have an AI that people feel like are unbiased, even though that's not necessarily true because everything has a bias depending on the data you put into it. Um, yeah, I think that that, that mark, that market and that, um, that's part of society is going to have a big disruption for sure. Um, some other interesting use cases that I've seen um, is uh, around the computer vision sites, because now the image creation and image inference. So being able to infer data from images has become so good. In fact, you can put images into ChatGPT and it will give you a really good description of what it is. Um, I think that's going to be a huge thing. And I think we're not even sure of all of the practical use cases with it. I think there's stuff in security, which has a ton of ethical implications and how you do that right and protect people's privacy and not, uh, you know, bias towards certain 
types of people. I think that, but that's one, I think um, one that I think is kind of interesting that there's a few companies doing um, is around like parking. So instead of having to pay a parking ticket, if you're in like downtown New York, downtown LA, Dallas, and you have to pay for parking, you can just have a, uh, a camera that's using computer vision and it can automatically charge you appropriately based on it. So that's like a really t- practical use case that I think is, makes a lot of sense. You just park your car, get up and go, no longer going over to the toll station, pay it and all those kind of things. So, but I think there's endless, man. We haven't even seen it. It's like said, tip of the iceberg. There's so many yeah. things new. And it's funny, Ryan, the more we talk about this, the more I feel like all of our answers and all of our thoughts and observations kind of taper off into that, the ultimate conclusion, which is, holy cow, but we don't even know what's coming next. As someone who I love the news, I love current events, it blew my mind when last month I turned on the news and I saw the, I think it was the governor of New York was talking about implementing congestion zones in New York City, which if your license plate enters any street, I think it's like south of 90th in Manhattan, between these hours, you automatically will pay a $6 tax. And on its surfaces, obviously us as citizens, not all of us are very keen on saying, yeah, let's pay more taxes based on it. But I think, (laughs) and this is where I think it's really important to have these ethics conversations. I think what's even more concerning is, well, holy cow. So does the state, the city, does every entity, how many entities do they know exactly where I am, when I am? I'm willing to bet if they can see my license plate, they could probably make my face through facial recognition. We've lost all sense of, of, our autonomy and our free will with regards to having that privacy. It's something that obviously we're on the the good side of the pandemic now. And with mm-hmm. that in mind, though, what would a future state look like? A lot of people are going to call us conspiratorial here, Ryan, but I want to have that conversation <laughs> with you. What would a future state look like where who knows what corporations, governments, what entities can see all of this stuff with us? Ryan, is it conspiratorial? Are we going down the right track? Is this why your business exists? Walk me off this ledge. Um, man, you know, I don't know that I'm going to be able to fully walk you off the ledge because um, I'll be honest, there are there are days probably uh, at least once a week where I kind of get over to the edge and I look at it and I'm like, that that might be the path we're going on. You know, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to use a little bit of a, a recent practical example is... You know, everybody's, um, you know, ChatGPT and generative AI is new. And so AI is the big talk, but we've all been using AI for a decade plus. Because if you're on social media, all of the social media apps are using AI to predict the next piece of content to give you to keep you locked into that application, right? And so, and they're really really good at it, right? Think how addictive social media is and how hard it, I mean, I fall into the traps, right? I get onto Instagram sometimes and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's been 30 minutes. Like, oh my God, where did the time go? Um, And so that side of the manipulation side of AI is one of the things that where where I want to get into and where my company is really going to start focusing in on is how do we prevent people from from using this nefariously to influence, you know, society in a negative way, right? Because that 
while that that is sort of a negative use case, there's also a positive side to that, right? You can you can galvanize people to move towards better causes, to to be better people, right? Like if it say if it got everybody off the couch and exercising because social media had this big push for everybody to be healthier and fitter, um, you know whether or not that's good that you're kind of manipulating people to do that. It's, as a society, we're all healthier and living longer. That's everybody would consider that a, a win, right? Um, so it's really it's really fascinating and th- and that's also what I'll say is like the really tricky part about what what we're trying to do now on the consulting space and and by the way I'm not ruling out that there wouldn't be a product in the future at some point but right now it's just consulting is um I, it's hard. You have to really get into the nitty gritty details of every use case and how they plan to use that and, and start thinking about, and we're every time we have these conversations and we start having really interesting conversations with companies is we go, okay, cool. You're trying to do X, right? And here's what we look, here's what your, your goal is and potential impact. What does that mean five years from now? What does that mean 10 years from now? And getting them to think about, okay, the amount of data we have to collect and this types of data sets, and we're going to be influencing people in this way for, you know, for five to 10 years, what does that have an impact, not just their business, but to the greater society as a whole. And it's interesting, you know, you start having those and how people start getting that like aha moments of like, oh man, we have to be really careful with some of the things we want to do. It's like, yeah, we wanted to go out and, you know, increase revenue, increase sales for the next quarter. You're probably going to do that great, but you're starting to collect all this extra data and this can be very private to some people. How are you protecting that and using that uh, ethically going forward so that you're not taking advantage of people in the future, right? Yeah, Ryan, really important considerations here. You got me thinking, I guess for a long time, I've long said how great it is as a marketer. You picked on social media algorithms. I always tell people who are creeped out because for sure these algorithms listen to us. If we talk about a product today, we're going to start getting ads for it tomorrow. And a lot of people have been creeped (laughs) out by that. I, as someone who is very pro-technology and very pro-good marketing, I've always told people, well, you want that. I don't want to log on to my social media in see ads for sewing kits because I'm not into (laughs) sewing. However, I think what you're really bringing to light is kind of the shadow side of all of that. And I think back when you said we've been using it for a decade in my head, I was like, why has this not been part of the public discourse? And I think to one very famous case in marketing, which was with Target. Target was sending a teenage girl ads for maternity products and and diapers and all of that. And her parents were outraged and they actually sued Target. And they said, why are you sending our teenage daughter all of these things? It turns out Target's algorithms based on her purchasing behavior had identified that she was pregnant before her parents even knew. And so Mm -hmm. that's an example that when you put data into the hands of AI, it can see things and piece things together that we may not be able to. That's the shadow side of it. That's not always a great thing. So Ryan, I feel like my ultimate question and maybe the most important question of today's conversation is how and where do we affect change? Do we start with the man in the Mm. mirror? Is this something that we lobby to our our politicians and we hope for additional regulations? Obviously, you're going to be a key player on it. And I count myself so lucky to have you in my network because I know that you're going to have an important voice in this with all the ways that you think about this. Where's the change going to come from? 
Um, I think it's it's got to be multifaceted, right? So I do think there's probably going to be some regulation and legislation around it. Um, we've started to see some of the conversations. You know, the interesting thing about that is who are the people having the conversations? What influences do they have, right? That's one of those things that now I think about with almost every single conversation that I have. Um, and it, honestly, in the personal life as well as the business life is because um, you're with AI and AI ethics, we're thinking about all the data that goes into it and how those models are influenced. And you start thinking about that with people too, is like, what influences are they having? Why are they, why did they volunteer to be on a subcommittee or on a, you know, on some board to, to have these conversations, but they're important to have nonetheless, regardless of the people in them. I think it's important to have them. I think there's an aspect of the corporations have responsibility in this as well. Um, whether they know it or not, um, that they have responsibility to do things, not just in pure profit mode. Um, which is tough. I run a business. I like profits because we we want to grow and we want to continue to expand the team and employ more people. And, you know, and that's great. I love that. That's the best part of running a business is, you know, having other people and seeing them be successful and, you know, and everything else and meeting their families and all that. The, the people is the best part of it. So there's, you know, there's good and bad. In it. And like the example that you gave with Target is a fantastic example. Um, and in fact, Brian, I'm going to probably steal that. I knew about it, but you said it so well. I'm going to probably use that going forward. Um, but what's really interesting about that is you can see how that could have been used in a really good way too. Um, because you could, you could see if that was put into the healthcare and how AI was picking up on certain things that a human had just missed because whatever, it didn't seem like a big enough detail, but the AI piece things together in a way that said, Hey, what about this? They could be pregnant or maybe it detected cancer or maybe it was something else. So there's also really good sides of it. Right. And I think it's just important that we try to focus on those good things and not the bad things as far as like, how do we, you know, get in front of it. It's, it's going to be interesting because it's not just a U.S. based race. I think that's really important too, is this is a like global phenomenon and not really, but it's a, it has global dynamics, right? China is building the, you know, an, an AI comparable to the U.S. and there's a race to see who's going to have the better one um, and all those things, right? Because especially when you get around the data security, I heard of this example actually, um, uh, from a from a different podcast, but um, and I can't think of the site the source right now, and I should know it, but I'm going to forget and not be able to quote them. So apologies. Um, but uh, but what they were talking about was it's actually potentially cheaper to not develop the best AI, but to build an AI that goes in and hacks other software because then they could just go steal that AI for a lot cheaper than trying to build it themselves. So there's like crazy use cases like that, that we need to be aware of and be protecting ourselves against. But at the same time, we need to be moving forward and finding new use cases that are better, like finding cures for cancer and things of that nature. It's tricky, man. Like I don't, I wish there was a good answer. I wish, and everybody I talk to asked me this and I never have a good answer. Maybe I will a year from now or two years or five years from now, but we're so new that it's really hard to tell you the best ways, but I know that it's got to be multifaceted. There's got to be a lot of different people involved in the conversation from a lot of different angles. And I think the different angles is the most important thing. Like we don't just want tech people to control this. We don't just want politicians to control this. We want everybody to have a say on how this moves forward because we don't want to replace humans, right? 
we like being around. We want to continue to be around. We want AI to supplement our life and make it better and not replace us. So, and that's super wow. doomsday. I don't think that's happening by any stretch of the means. I'm just saying like, that's where we want to go. So we need everybody's opinion. Yeah, gosh, Ryan, I will say this, and we've done almost 800 episodes of the show. I don't think a single episode or conversation has given me as many chills as our conversation <laughs> here today, because I'm getting chills with all the great use cases. Uh, gosh, the one that you just came up with on the fly about imagine if this operated within healthcare, early detection, that will literally right. save millions of lives. We can't understate the positive benefits there, but obviously all the shadow sides, the darker sides, those also give me chills. All things that we must think about. And that's why I'm glad, Ryan, that you get to wear all of your hats as someone mm -hmm. who's into history, as someone who's into technology, as a business owner yourself, as a citizen, as a good person person, it's great to hear that there are people like you at the forefront of not only the work that's being done, but importantly, I think these conversations. That's why I'm so appreciative yeah. that you've come on here today. I do want to end on a very positive note for our listeners. We know who yes. they are. We know that they're entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. What's some of your best advice or maybe drop some tools on us? What are mm. some of those great ways, ethical ways that you hope business owners start taking advantage of AI even as soon as today? Yeah. Um, so what I would say, I'm going to say two things, one bit more general, and then I'll get into the AI. But um, just in general, um, for anybody that is thinking about starting a business and, um, and, you know, has been the entrepreneur and wants to be the entrepreneur, just do it, man. I did. I was in that place for a long time and wanted to do it and wanted and wanted and wanted. And it's scary. And it's hard and it's all the things that everybody tells you is, but it's also super rewarding and it's, um, there's nothing better. I wouldn't give up any of the hard for anything else, right? Like it, it, I have the bug and now that I have it, I will always want to be an entrepreneur in some way, shape or form. Um, uh, as far as the AI side that goes, um, what I would say, there's a lot of great tools. I like perplexity that I mentioned, I just mentioned, if you're doing any kind of research, you need to like, you know, you do research for a report or for a study or whatever it is. Perplexity is a great place to start. So definitely use that. Um, other tools are, um, I mean, everybody's using ChatGPT. Google just has a new one out, Gemini, which I don't, I don't know if everybody has access to yet or not, but um, Gemini is really cool. I actually have started using Bing quite a bit again. Bing is, is a really great tool to do some research. Um, there's, there's, man, I have a list uh, and I should have had the list ready of all the different AI tools that I use uh, throughout the day. Um, there's um, like Skite, uh, S-C-I-T-E dot um, AI. That's another great research tool. And, and then um, another one that's really cool is agentgpt.io. Um, so what agent GPT does is it basically lets you create AI workflows. So it, think of you need an agent. Agents are one of the coolest things about the, the GPT kind of revolution that's going on. And basically an agent is think of it. I have a task that I need to do and I do this task often. It's a repetitive task. You create an agent to do that task for you. Um, and so agent GPT is a kind of, um, an easier, a user friendly way to create agents to do tasks. And so that's, I use agents for, Oh man, so many different things. Because again, you just have a task, you're an entrepreneur. Hey, I need to 
do this every day, whatever that thing is for your business, right? And an agent can go out and do that for you, right? Even if that's like, hey, just taking media from a certain folder and posting it to social media, right? And so you don't, it's one thing you don't have to worry about. It's like scheduling it for at 7 a.m. or 8 p.m. or whatever time that you want to have things go out, right? Um, so those are a couple tools. Um, by all means, hit me up um, at ryan at productpal.ai if you have more questions i'm happy to talk to anybody about it because you hit on the most important part about it is having the conversation the conversation is the most important part of this let's all just keep conversating about it and we'll get to the right place yes amen to that ryan you're right i love the fact that you dropped your email address listeners don't be shy ryan really means it you hear how transparent he is and he's at the forefront of so many of these conversations and i'm gonna say not just conversations but considerations i'm sure all Mm -hmm. of us myself very much included we've all heard from ryan here today on things that we hadn't even thought of so ryan i so respect and admire and appreciate that so much about the work that you're doing and your willingness to be a part of the solution so with all of that in mind you drop some great tools and links on us but the most important link i know that i'm looking forward to is following along in your journey in your work so the stage is yours for listeners who are super keen to follow along all these great things that you're doing and if they want to start having conversations about how to ethically use ai in their own businesses in their own industries i'm thinking for all of you out there who are in any way involved in event creation if you're looking Mm -hmm. for speakers ryan is a great one you've seen him in action here today ryan where should listeners go to learn more about you and follow along with all this great stuff that you're up to. Yeah, thank you so much. Those are kind words. I really appreciate it. And this has been a blast. So thank you so much for having me. Um, you can uh, hit me up on productpal.ai. That's um, that's our company website. Um, again, Ryan at productpal.ai. Um, hit me up there. I'll, always happy to to respond. I'll respond to everybody that you know hits me up. Um, but yeah, those are two really great places um, to keep in touch and um, look forward to all the conversations. So thank you again, Brian. This has been fun. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, listeners, you already know the drill. We are dropping those links down below wherever it is that you're tuning in. We are also linking to Ryan's personal LinkedIn. It's how we first came across so many awesome things that Ryan's up to. So don't be shy about connecting with him. Whether you're ready for this stuff or you feel not ready, it's always great to have thought leaders like Ryan in your network. So definitely go check him out on LinkedIn as well. In addition to productpal.ai, super important links. So scroll down below. Otherwise, Ryan, you have opened my eyes. You've opened all of our listeners eyes thanks so much for coming on to the show today thanks brian you have a good day hey it's brian here and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the entrepreneur to entrepreneur podcast if you haven't checked us out online there's so much good stuff there check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at the show.com and i just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests there's a reason why we are at free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you and it's because our guests step up to the plate these are not sponsored episodes these are not infomercials our guests help us cover the costs of our productions they so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible so thank you to not only today's guests but all of our guests in general and i just want to invite you check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to the dot 
youtube.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.